Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. The property had all the problems. So not only did it have the down units, but... Um, the rents were really, really low because she was mom and pop and she didn't want to push the rents. And so when that happens, you're typically attracting a certain demographic, uh, when your rents are like the cheapest in the market. And so I remember being out there for the inspection day and, uh, we had a drug deal go down. Uh, there was prostitution on the property. Uh, there was definitely a lot of drugs going on on the property, uh, middle of the day. I think it was like a Monday. And I remember being in the parking lot and the cops pulled up in the middle of our inspection. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Reports. In this episode, I am going to talk about uh, what it was like buying uh, a 32-unit apartment building, value add, repositioning it, the business plan, forcing the equity, forcing the appreciation, and then exiting and selling the property uh, two years later for 3x of what we bought it for, um, having a nice payday, and then 1031 exchanging out of that deal into more real estate. Um, so be sure to stick around to the end. There's a lot of useful information in this episode. Um, so why 32 units and why Indianapolis? Um, this is going back a little bit. This is 2019. Right when I was first getting into real estate, I had just bought an 11-unit apartment building in Cincinnati, which was my first deal, and I had cashed out my 401k to fund the down payment and um, renovations for that property. And I had some left over, um, and I also pulled out a home equity line of credit from my condo that I was living at as a primary residence here in downtown San Diego. Little Italy, and um, I had some seed money. And so I was looking at individual deals, and my two partners um, that I had not quite partnered with at the time, Sean and Mike, we had all three of us worked in an air traffic control facility, and we were all kind of looking at individual deals together and kind of sharing the deals amongst ourselves. Um, and we weren't really making a lot of traction at the time, and so I thought, well, what if, what if we put our money together and bought something a little bit bigger? What would that look like? And so we started running through the scenarios and we started looking at what kind of deals we could buy. And um, we quickly decided that that would be the best use of our time and the best use of our capital. Um, and so we started um, putting a plan to, together um, to source deals from brokers and to find something that would be conducive with the capital and also um, our experience level at that time. And so we started looking at a bunch of different markets. And we knew that we wanted to go into an area to where there was high cash flow, but there was also good market fundamentals in terms of population growth, employment growth, um, and just good neighborhood metrics in terms of like median household income, crime, schools, etc. So what we did was we actually kind of like 
split up the workload and the three of us kind of took on different markets and started networking with brokers in a few different markets. Um, we were probably looking in like seven or eight different markets across the country um, because we were pretty specific in terms of like our ability to buy, like how much could we afford. Um, we knew we wanted value adds. We, w- we knew we wanted to buy a property to where it was underperforming. We could buy it at a discount and we could add value. Um, and so we were networking with a bunch of different brokers and getting a bunch of deal flow. We were like learning how to underwrite at the time. We were, we were pretty green, but like we had been doing a lot of studying and educating ourselves. We had been going to networking events, uh, listening to a bunch of different podcasts, getting around people that were buying deals. And so, um, you know, we, we definitely were green, but we were learning and, uh, we were picking it up pretty quickly just through underwriting and analyzing a bunch of different properties and talking to different brokers, um, and getting a good pulse and gauge of what's going on there in the marketplace. Um, so anyways, this particular deal, um, I sourced, uh, through a broker relation. Um, this individual, uh, worked at Marcus and Millichap. His name's Daryl Johnson. Shout out Daryl Johnson. If you're listening, um, anyways, I jumped on a phone, uh, call with him and we're chatting. Um, and I was telling him like what our search criteria was. And, um, what I always do is, uh, try to build some sort of rapport with these brokers, try to find a common ground, um, let them know that you're a serious buyer, um, and see if they might have anything that might fit your criteria. So it turned out Daryl, his cousin was like a was like an up and coming or like a brand new air traffic controller. And so when he found out that we were air traffic controllers, he was like, Oh, that's really cool. Went over the search criteria and he said, Hey, I might have a deal that I'm working right now. Um, it's in my pipeline. I haven't started marketing yet. Um, but, um, if you want, I can send you the financials and let me know what you think. And so I said, okay, cool. Uh, sent over the deal and he did pull it up. Um, and we look at the deal. It's, uh, in an area called Greenwood, Indiana, about 15 miles south of downtown Indianapolis. It's a suburb community, uh, pretty decent schools, um, a lot of good retail nearby, and um, just a good suburban area or neighborhood um, to own real estate. And so looked at the neighborhood fundamentals, they checked out, good median household income, good schools, decent crime rating and, um, started looking at the financials. We started analyzing the deal and the pricing guidance was actually very, very, um, competitive. Um, it was, uh, I I think the guidance was like, I don't remember, but I think it was like 1.3 million for 32 units, which that's a pretty, that's a pretty damn good deal. If you ask me, especially in today's age, 2022, almost 2023. Um, but that said, uh, we liked the deal, and uh, the lady who owned it was uh, retiring. She was older. Her husband had passed away. They had owned uh, this property for decades, and she was very mom and pop. They had six down units. Um, I'm sorry, four down units. And what I mean by down units is they were like non-revenue units. Um, they had broken appliances, and f- because of that, she didn't want to put money into repairing these units. And so she just let them go non-rev. And so, um, those are, you know, when you find a property that has down units just because they have a broken appliance, that's a simple fix. You just buy a brand new range or a brand new stove, pop it in or a new fridge, pop it in. And now you can rent out this unit. Right. And so, um, we ended up 
going back and forth. We submitted a couple of LOIs um, and we ended up negotiating uh, or getting it under contract for 1.2 million. So like mid thirties a door. And uh, we flew out for our inspection, uh, Sean, Mike and myself. And um, the property had all the problems. So not only did it have the down units, but um, the rents were really, really low because she was mom and pop and she didn't want to push the rents. And so when that happens, you're typically attracting a certain demographic uh, when your rents are like the cheapest in the market. And so I remember being out there for the inspection day and uh, we had a drug deal go down. Uh, There was prostitution on the property. Uh, there was definitely a lot of drugs going on on the property, uh, middle of the day. I think it was like a Monday. And I remember being in the parking lot and the cops pulled up in the middle of our inspection. Hey guys, real quick. I'm trying to hit 1000 five-star reviews on Apple podcasts within the first month of our launch. So we can move up in the rankings and reach new audiences in order for this to happen. I'm going to need the help of you guys. If you could please take two seconds and leave a five-star review and rating, it would mean the world to me. We're also giving away cash prizes, free swag and tickets to our yacht meetups here in San Diego. We'll be selecting winners January 18th to qualify. All you need to do is leave a review and send a screenshot to giveaway at at summerscapital.com. I love you guys. And now back to the show. And uh, next thing you know, we're out there in the parking lot talking to the cops and they're like, yeah, we get a lot of calls with this property, um, drugs, all that sort of thing, domestic violence, a little bit of white trash uh, in terms of demographic, just for perspective. Um, so, you know, that's why you buy properties at a discount is because, you know, there's problems that you're going to inherit. Um, a lot of buyers don't want to inherit and deal with those problems because it consumes a lot of time. It can present a lot of challenges. Um, but you as a buyer, um, you're, you're getting this property at a discount because you are willing to solve those problems. So that said, we uh, got through the inspection. And I remember talking to the guys. They're like, hey, man, like this, pro- this, this property's got all the issues. I mean, it was not just the demographics, not just the tenant base, not just the down units, but um, in terms of the condition of the property from a physical standpoint, um, you know, it, half of the HVAC units needed to be replaced. Uh, all the windows needed to be replaced. Uh, it had 16 balconies for all the you know, second floor units, and all 16 of the balconies uh, were deemed unsafe, um, and they needed to be replaced. Um, and so coming out of this inspection, we're like, okay, this thing is going to cost us a lot more to stabilize than we initially thought. And so we had to like price that into our, um, our performa. And so we come back, we crunched the numbers. We ended up asking for a small seller credit, which the seller, uh, eventually landed on. And I remember this property because there was a death in the family and there was like a brother involved with the owner. Um, the seller's brother was like, I think he like didn't want to sell the property, but she did. But there was like this big court battle. And so I remember like the escrow process taking maybe like four months because they had to like hash out some legal stuff. Um, but finally we got the green light. And we closed on this property. I think it was like 1.2 with like a 35 or $40,000 seller credit. The sewer lines also needed to be replaced. And uh, I remember closing, I think it was December of 2019. And uh, we close, we start renovating uh, the down units. We started with those, the, the vacant units. I believe there were six vacant units when we closed. And then um, we replaced the sewer lines, got those all fixed. And, um, we start releasing the units 
And next thing you know, uh, March of 2020, COVID hits. And everything slows down. Everything basically comes to a halt. And we're like, holy cow, we got six vacancies. And I believe at the time, we had a couple move-outs in between December and March. And we had just renovated the first batch of units. Um, shout out to Sean's uh, father, by the way. He lived in uh, Louisville. And uh, he, had a, he has a construction company. So he actually did the first set of unit turns for us in terms of the renovation. So shout out to Sean's dad. That was super cool. Um, but anyway, so we're renovating these units. And I'm going to go back a sec. So... I wanted to explain real quick, because I think this and this is important, how we got the property debted up. So we used a uh, conventional bank loan. They funded 75% of the purchase price. And I think we paid 30-year fix at 4.5%, which in today's climate with the high interest rates that we have is actually very competitive. Um, And then with the equity, Sean, Mike, and myself put in 80% of the equity required. And because we had the additional renovation costs and we saw the HVAC units needed to be replaced and the sewer lines and all the deferred maintenance that we did not account for, we needed more money that we didn't have. And so we actually went to a couple individuals. Um, One of them uh, came to our meetups and uh, he actually ended up coming in the deal with one of his buddies. And then uh, we went to another individual um, who worked with us in the workplace. His name is also Sean. And he ended up coming in the deal as well. So shout out to both of those guys for coming in the deal. But uh, anyways, we paired that with the 75% bank loan. We were able to close. And now we're, we're looking at six vacant units. And we're trying to lease up these units. And COVID hits. It's March of 2020. And I remember jumping on a call with everyone. We're like, hey, like, what are we going to do? We got six down units. We're bleeding cash. COVID has hit. Uh, What are we going to do? And so I remember we're like, we got to get creative because we were using a third-party property management company. And so when you don't have on-site leasing, it can be very challenging to lease up new units. Um, We would actually test the property manager. We would like submit an inquiry online to see how long it would take them to respond. And they would go like a whole week without even acknowledging the inquiry. And so that's just not going to cut it, especially during a time like COVID. So we ended up getting creative. We actually put the units on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. And um, Facebook Marketplace was actually a very, very big uh, needle in terms of bringing in leads. And so um, we ended up just hitting up Facebook Marketplace. And then another thing that we did is we thought, okay, well, what if we reached out to local real estate agents in the Greenwood area and ask them if they'd be interested in making a commission by touring the property with prospective tenants and uh, leasing up these units one by one. And so we found a local realtor. Uh, her name was Leah. Shout out to Leah, who lived like two minutes down the road from the property. And she was like, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that at all. And so we ended up utilizing her along with Facebook Marketplace to not only market these uh, units to get the leads, but to also hand those leads off to Leah. Um, to not only show the property, but to also close them on moving in. And so we ended up utilizing that strategy and ended up working really well. We were able to uh, keep the occupancy high. We were able to continue to turn these units and renovate them. And uh, 
about a year into it, we're running pretty low on funds. And so we're like, holy cow, like, what are we going to do to, um, to get more cash basically? Cause like, you know, with, with real estate deals, there's three things that you want to do. You, you, you want to have plenty of cash reserves. You want to buy for cash flow if you can, and you want to secure long-term debt. So we did have the long-term debt. I believe we had a five-year term. Um, we weren't cash flowing at the time and we were running out of money. And so, you know, and we're in the middle of a pandemic as well. So we're like, holy cow, what are we going to do? Learning to become a successful real estate investor can take a lot of time and dedication, which some people just don't have. If you're one of these individuals, this doesn't mean you can't invest in real estate. My company, Summers Capital, is buying a bunch of boutique hotels right now, and you can invest with us in these deals without having to do any of the work. Our team sources the deals, we secure the lending, we take care of all the renovations, and we even handle all the day-to-day operations with our in-house management company, making it truly hands-off and passive for our investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, go to summerscapital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's summerscapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show. And so we ended up going to Sean. This is the Sean that came in last minute um, as an investor, the Sean that worked with us. He said, hey guys, um, my dad would be interested in lending uh, in second position via private loan. And it was a $200,000 uh, note to us secured in second position by the property. And I believe it was 6% interest only. And so that actually allowed us to finish uh, going through the unit turns and fixing all the balconies. I think just the balconies alone ended up running us like 116000 or something crazy like that just to repair and, and replace the 16 balconies. Um, so anyways, we got through all that, which was great. And then we ended up refinancing the property into a Freddie Mac agency loan, um, about, I don't know, 14, 15 months into the property. And the plan was, Hey, let's hold this property long-term. Let's pull some of our money out. So we pulled a little bit of our money out with the refi. And then we kept the rest of the, the proceeds from that refinance to get through the rest of our you know, business plan, et cetera, and to have plenty of reserves. And uh, fast forward, the market kept heating up after the pandemic. Interest rates were super low. Cap rates kept compressing. And there was just a lot of money looking for real estate and especially apartments. And I remember I was out in Turkey in August of 21. And um, I remember talking to a broker who was Andy and the property next door to us, which was a larger property. um, It was like 230 units, I believe, um, was actually on market and under contract um, with a group that was paying something close to a hundred thousand a door. And mind you, this was a 1970s construction. Ours was 1960s. It was directly next door. And that group was paying in the hundreds per door when we had just bought this property less than two years prior for mid thirties a door. And so I told the guys, I said, Hey guys, like, would you guys be interested in selling if we could get something close to this number? And they were like, yes, why not? Because this property had a lot of plumbing issues. So we were always getting bogged down with repair and maintenance. We might have one good month and then we would have a big repair the next month, which would set us back and wipe out all the cash flow from the month before. And so we thought, well, if we can you know, get the projected returns that we were projecting 
over five years in just two years, why not get rid of this property? We can 1031 exchange and get into other deals. And so talking to the broker, he was like, yeah, I think I could get you that. And so we said, okay, well, let's go ahead and list this property. And uh, we ended up listing the property with him. And sure enough, we had a few offers. I think we had three offers on the table. Um, But the one we ended up going with was a group um, that was local in Indy. And they were syndicators. Uh, They were raising money. They were kind of newer and up and coming. And um, we had positioned this property as a proven value add because we had renovated exactly 50% of the units. The broker goes, hey, I can get you hundreds of door, but stop renovating units right away because right now in this climate, buyers will pay more for unrenovated units than they will for renovated units, which sounds kind of crazy, but a lot of apartment investors are looking for the value add product and they want to be able to come in and add value. And so they actually pay more for unrenovated units than they would renovated units, which is crazy. So he was like, stop renovating units. We're going to position this as a, a value add or a proven value add. And so basically what that, from the, from the buyer's perspective, it's like, hey, we renovated half of the units. We were able to get $250 rent bumps across the board. And we left the other 50% of the units uh, untouched so you can come in and renovate those units. And so that's kind of the position or the way you want to frame it to the next buyer. Um, it's very strategic, but it's also very common in this space. You always want to be thinking, how, well, what is my exit? look like? And then how can I frame this exit to best position to the next buyer to get me top dollar on the exit? So this group ended up submitting an offer. We ended up going back and forth. We ended up getting it under contract. Um, and we ultimately ended up selling the property for uh, 3x what we had bought it for just 25 months prior. And so what we did was we actually set up a tick, which is a tenants in common, because we were all invested in this LLC together. And so the 1031 exchange um, language basically says it's an all or nothing action, meaning um, if you are going to 1031 exchange the proceeds, meaning that it's going to, uh, as long as you buy another asset that's similar or like kind, equal or greater value within a specific time frame. Um, you can defer paying taxes on all of those proceeds from the sale. But it's an all or nothing thing, meaning everyone that's invested into that LLC that you had just sold would have to 1031 into the up leg together. But if you set up what's called a tenants in common, you can have a a legal counsel set this up for you. Um, It costs, I don't know, it costs a little bit of money, but uh, if you set it up, it allows you to actually 1031 exchange and allows all the partners to go their separate ways. Um, and so we all 1031 individually. Some of us did not 1031. Um, some did. But I ended up uh, 1031ing my proceeds into the luxury Airbnb that I have out in Scottsdale. And then um, I ended up forcing the appreciation with that one and then pulling my equity out. But that was the first you know, deal that I went full cycle. And, um, although there was a lot of learning lessons, there was a lot of mistakes made. Um, I learned so much from that deal and just the experience and the value that it provided, um, has been a game changer in my growth, um, in both my business and personal life. So anyways, just wanted to share that, uh, experience with you guys. Hope you guys found value in this podcast till next time. Peace.